Please stay standing as we read from Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be going through passages, um, the interactions of your life 2,000 years ago. We thank you for the reminder, the complexities of our life especially when we think we have it a certain way. I pray for Pastor Andrew that he would bring the word to us with power and conviction, mercy and grace. We thank you for, again, this collective body here participating in the work of the Lord. May our ears be open and our hearts be sensitive to what you have to teach for us today. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be Well, we continue on this morning, more of these encounters with Jesus, people flocking to him in different ways on different journeys. Uh, We meet two such people this morning, probably picked up a theme as we've gone throughout this theme of uh, hungering and thirsting as a deer pants for the water, more about Jesus, I would know Uh, This is such an important thing for our lives. Some of you know the late J.I. Packer and uh, the the work that he wrote back in 1973 that still remains a classic, and if you haven't read it, I would encourage you to think about reading it. It's called Knowing God. He says, knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives. We are cruel to ourselves If we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it, the world becomes a strange, mad, painful place and life in it a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction, no understanding of what surrounds you. This is the way that you waste your life and lose your soul. Those are big words. Uh, Big words that that really call the question to us in many many respects, you know, is knowing God, is knowing about God, is knowing about the world through the lens that God has given us, is is this the priority of our lives? Uh, Do we see an urgency to it? Uh, And it's for all of us this question comes, whether you are 
uh, 9 or 19 or 39 uh, perpetually, you never turn 40, uh, whether you are in your 50s or in your 90s, right, there's always this invitation to, to know God. To, to know about him, but not simply just to know about him, because I think we recognize that we can know a lot about God, but not necessarily know him. Uh, to know God and to seek to follow his ways. And that's what this passage is about in, in Luke chapter 10. I'm sure you've seen it before. I'm, uh, I'm sure many of you have uh, studied this in Sunday school and uh, maybe have some impressions about what this passage is about. But I would contend it's about discipleship. Uh, Jesus here is talking about discipleship. In fact, all of Luke chapter 10 is really about discipleship. You have the 72 being sent out and uh, all of these things that are happening and they saw Satan fall and they, they did these wonders and these miracles. And Jesus says, rejoice not that you've done these things, but rejoice that your name is is written in the book of life. You know, he's, he's giving them some instruction about discipleship. And, you know, the, the teacher of the law comes and he wants to know what he can do to follow Jesus. Jesus tells him uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. He's drawing him into a picture of discipleship, a picture of discipleship that doesn't always rest solely on what we do, or does not originate in what we do, but it is a, a story of, of discipleship that comes out of who we are. And, and so then when we come to the, the end here of Luke chapter 10, we sort of see this crystallizing with this encounter of Jesus with these two sisters, Martha and Mary. So I have a couple of uh, pit stops along the way in terms of our uh, talking about this this morning. We have the domestic distractions, the disciples' disposition, and finally, the deep uh, devotion or, or the, the deep discipleship. I'm not sure I like the word devotion anymore because there are some uh, there are some things about this passage that we have to disabuse ourselves of. So we talk about domestic distractions. You know, oftentimes this, this passage, and maybe you've heard it one of these ways, is pitted uh, something like this. It is the, uh, the bustling, service-minded person contrasted with the contemplative, uh, quiet person. And, and Jesus is um, uh, Jesus is elevating the contemplative quiet life, and he is denigrating uh, the bustling, service-minded person. That's not the picture that is going on here. And in fact, uh, I would contend that there are two people on the path to discipleship here. One is certainly Mary, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment as she takes up the position of a disciple sitting at Jesus' feet. But the other is Martha. Uh, and the Lord loves Martha. 
And the Lord loves all of you who are uh, in that bustling, service-minded mode, be you male or female, be you young or old. Uh, the Lord has a, a deep affection uh, for that way of life. Part of the way that we know that is just the way that we see him address her. Uh, you know, he says to her, Martha, Martha. Uh, you are anxious and distracted about many things. And, and we know from sort of a Hebraism that whenever names like that are, are doubled, uh, there is both an intensification and a, a tenderness to that. Uh, you know, Jesus will say things like, uh, verily, verily, or we even get, uh, if you think about David, when he heard that his son Absalom was killed, you know, he said, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son, my son. I mean, there's, there is a pathos there. There is a heart there. And we see that in terms of Jesus with Martha. But he does have a, a rebuke, as it were, for her. Um, it's, a, it's a tender rebuke, and, and it's an inviting rebuke. He is, uh, he is pointing out that where she is at the particular moment, how she is engaging this opportunity to have Jesus in her home, uh, is really robbing herself. Uh, and he is encouraging her on into a deeper relationship with her. And it's helpful for us, I think, to see what it is uh, that is, is the obstacle for her. Because I think we'll find some common ground with Martha, no matter what your personality type is. Uh, two things, I think, that, well, I'll say three things. Um, about it. The first is that it, it is in the manner of household tasks that, that this rebuke comes. Now, that was the moment they had invited Jesus into their home. We know that Jesus was uh, good friends with uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We see that in John chapter 11 as he is coming up to Bethany and you know, Lazarus is passing away. But it is the mundane, the domestic, uh, that can often get in our way. Uh, we all know that there's, there's big stuff and little stuff in life, you know, and we are, we are prone to focus in on the, on the big stuff, the, the deep cuts, as it were, in life. You know, and sometimes it's literally that. We have a couple of families that are facing big surgeries this week. And so, you know, we're thinking about those surgeries and we're, we're going before the Lord and we're, we're holding those things before the Lord. But are, are we thinking about God always in that way during the mundane, the ordinary, the, the paper cuts of life, as it were? You know, this morning I was trying to print off a couple of quotes and that blasted computer had some demon in it. And, uh, you know, it's always on Sunday morning when you have zero time left to do it. It's not a deep cut. It's a paper cut. Uh, but what, what, is that, what does that mean for my heart in that moment? Uh, how did I handle it? 
And I don't know, I tried to keep a good outward uh, composure because Dan Churchwell was in my office at that moment. I had some real accountability. But, uh, um, but what, what does that look like for us? Not, not in the big things, but in the little things is part of the, the question. Uh, and then there are, there are two other things about Martha that I think are, are really significant. You know, the, Jesus says to her, you're anxious and distracted about many things. Uh, there's just that, that fragmentation. I think one of the big things in, in this passage is the comparison between the many things and the one thing. You know, Mary is concerned about one thing. Uh, and, and we are, we just live in such a fragmented world that we, we can readily, readily sort of identify with Martha here because, you know, we, we are anxious and distracted about many things. You know, just think about your life. You've got all of the big things of life, the surgeries, the, you know, all of these different things of relationships. You've got the little things of life, you know, getting dinner on the table, changing the diaper, you know, all of these different things, big things, little things, they can distract us. And those are the things like are, are good and that we have to deal with. And then there are all of the other things that just distract us. Uh, they don't necessarily have an inherent goodness or badness in them, but uh, they are distracting, you know, the amount of time that we spend pursuing music or fashion or sports or you know, all of these things. They're not bad in themselves, but they do tend to fragment our hearts and our minds in certain ways. And then the, the other thing that you see going on here with Martha that I think speaks to her attitude of heart is, is just how she has turned this whole thing, you know, in terms of hosting Jesus. And we get the sense that, that Martha is somewhat the leader of this family. Uh, it, it says here in the text, as they went on the way, uh, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So a little bit unusual, uh, you know, with Lazarus being, you know, just with the male-dominant society. Uh, but, but Martha takes a place of prominence here, and I think she feels some responsibility for, for what is going on in terms of getting it together. Later on in John chapter 11 and 12, we see Martha is again hosting Jesus, and she's again serving. And, and these things are okay uh, they're, they're fine. They're good even. Like there, there are responsibilities that need to get done uh, in our lives, in the house of God. You know, there are all these responsibilities. But you see what Martha does here is she makes it about her. Uh, why, why don't you tell Mary to help me because here I am alone in doing this. You know, you can hear a little bit of bitterness in, in Martha. You can hear a little bit of self-pity in Martha. The, the service that she should have joyfully been giving to Jesus, the service that was coming out of a place of, uh, of love and devotion, uh, instead became a, just a little bit about her. Uh, and we, we can relate to that. I mean, we can relate to that when we serve and we just don't get the thanks 
that we thought that we ought to get, or just some sort of recognition. I mean, you, you really serve because you love people, uh, but then, you know, when that recognition doesn't come, there's, there's just a little bit uh, of sting with regards to that. I think some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, or you've served in such a way, and we don't know exactly that this is the case with Martha, although a number of commentators have sort of pointed this out. We, we serve in a way that meets our expectations, but are our expectations necessarily the expectations of Jesus here? In, in this particular thing. Maybe she thought she needed to have a big elaborate spread laid out for him where Jesus would have been happy with, you know, some crackers and cheese uh, and, and some good conversation. But she had it in her mind what she needed to do. And, and when all of that which was consuming her, you know, she began to feel like everybody's Everybody's priorities needed to be aligned with hers, uh, and there was disappointment there at that point. Maybe it's just a question for yourself. Uh, you know, it's one of those check engine lights on the dashboard of our life. You know, if that self-pity is coming in, uh, if you see uh, bitterness, you know, lack of recognition, if you, if you see sort of these expectations that you have that, that maybe aren't the, the, you know, the God's biblical truth expectations that needed to be had, maybe there is a, a window, a crack into your own heart. But the Lord loves Martha and he wants to invite her more deeply in to a relationship with him. And part of the way that he does that is highlighting what Mary is about here. And that's the, the second point that we have here, the disciples' disposition. She, she takes a disposition of discipleship at the feet of Jesus. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to highlight for you here. The first is this. What she was doing in, in the, the cultural context of that day was radical. Uh, she taking this position at the feet of Jesus, who was her rabbi, her teacher, that was something that women did not do. But we know, we talked about this a little bit last week, that, that Jesus is, is a different type of rabbi. And, and you know, women are, are part of the major crowd that are flocking to him because they're recognizing in him a heart that, that, that welcomes them in a, in a way that acknowledges their, their worth, in a way that acknowledges their minds, a way that acknowledges the contributions that they have to make to his ministry. You know, we looked at Luke 7 last week, and we talked about this a little bit. Uh, but if you look at Luke 8, um, in the first three verses, we see that uh, Jesus goes on proclaiming, bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who have been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom the seven demons had gone out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, Susanna, and many others 
who provided for them out of their means. So again, this is not normal. Normally, rabbis would not have women that accompanied him. To, uh, to travel in mixed company like that was considered scandalous. But Jesus here is allowing an important point to be made. Uh, by his taking these women with him, by allowing somebody like Mary to sit at his feet, he's saying that in my kingdom, all are valued. All are recognized, seen, known. We've been talking about that over the last several weeks. Uh, every contribution is valued. Uh, so whether you are male or female, whether you are young or old, whether you are educated or not educated in terms of the way the world thinks about it, everybody is valued and everybody is to find their way to the feet of Jesus because if we want to be a disciple, and that's why we're all here, right? We, we want to explore, we want to understand what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus means that we need to know what he tells us. We need to know it because all of the junk of life is coming. And we need to be able not only to withstand that for ourselves, but we also need to proclaim the excellencies of our rabbi of our master. We need to proclaim his, his goodness. We need to proclaim his wisdom, his love, all of those things. Uh, and so we need to take that disciple's disposition at the feet of Jesus. Now, the second thing that I want to say about Mary is that she has an understanding of the urgency of the hour. The difference between Martha and Mary is not you know, one is serving and one is quiet. One is a doer and, and one is uh, more of a thinker. That, that's not the difference. The difference between Martha and Mary is that Mary understands uh, that Jesus is not going to be with them much longer. Mary understands, you know, what Jesus has been teaching. None of the other disciples really get this. They, you know, Jesus is saying, I've come in order that I would die. And they're like, no, Jesus, you're not going to die. But, but Mary understands that, that Jesus isn't going to be with them much longer. She has an urgency. She has an understanding. Like, I have got to, you know, I've got to get as much as I can. I've got to drink it to the very dregs, the amount of time that I have with Jesus and what he has to share with me. So she has uh, a priority. She has a sense of the time. And that's part of what, you know, I think the, this passage is encouraging us to have that sort of openness where we go through the day sensitive to what God is putting in front of us and a, the ability to discern. You know, we can make this our prayer. The, the ability to discern the important from the unimportant. 
uh, the, the prioritized from the non-prioritized. That, that's what Mary has here. She takes this at the feet because she says, I don't know, Jesus, when, you're gonna, you know, when I'm next going to have this opportunity. But I want to take this opportunity right now because I want to know you. I want to understand you. So the ability to discern, but then also the, the, you know, the attitude of heart that says, I want to get everything that I can from Jesus. I read a disturbing thing in a recent Christianity Today article um, using some statistics from a 2023 Lifeway survey among evangelicals with regards to the amount of uh, time that people spend with Jesus, the amount of uh, scripture reading that they do. Uh, 39% uh, of evangelicals list Bible reading as part of their regular discipleship. That means 61% of evangelicals, Protestants, whatever the categorization is, do not acknowledge Bible reading as part of their daily discipleship. See, Mary knew she needed the words of Jesus. She had to make sense of her world. Knowing about God, Packer says, is the only way to stay sane. But if we're not reading our Bibles, uh, we're, we're missing out on the very words of God. We don't have this attitude of discipleship that Mary has. Uh, and, and there are, you know, many ways to think about it. It's interesting here, you know, oftentimes when we think about that, we think about our own personal quiet time. Boy, I got to hurry up. Uh, <laughs> we, we think about our own personal quiet time. I, I'm not exactly sure that is the only way that we need to think about this. This passage here, you know, again, we can go into that sort of contemplative life it's good. I, I'm, in, I'm encouraging you to a quiet time. But I'm also encouraging you to communal discipleship. You know, what Mary's doing here is very communal. It's not by herself. She doesn't go off by herself. She's amongst other people and she's working it out. She, she's working it out in, in terms of, you know, the Bible studies that we do communally. She's working it out in terms of youth group and Sunday school and, you know, the, the Wednesdays in the Word when we come together and we just read large chunks of God's Word. She's, she's allowing that to ferment and foment in herself. Uh, and we need to think about that because, and here we are, we've got to move on, there is deep discipleship that is required of us. One of the more interesting things to do is to take Mary and, and lay the three times that it's listed that she is at the feet of Jesus side by side. So we have this passage here in Luke chapter 10. But there are two other passages, and they're in John 11 and in John 12. In John 11, Lazarus has died. Uh, her brother, whom Jesus loved, whom she loved. And she, uh, you know, after Jesus stays away in this very confusing thing, he hears Lazarus is sick, but he stays away. Lazarus dies. Both Martha and Mary come to him and say, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would be alive. You know, they, they, they have an understanding, but they're trying to make sense 
of their life at the time. You know, this brother who we love is dead. And Jesus, you could have done something about it. Like there is a faith there. But Jesus says, my ways are deeper than you can understand right now. And to Martha, he says, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? He's inviting them deeper. And when Mary comes in and she lays at his feet and she weeps, Jesus weeps in response to her weeping. And eventually he goes to the tomb and he calls forth Lazarus from the dead. The thing that is so significant here is that we are all going to be in the place of Mary and Martha. You know, we all have to deal with the stuff about life that we don't understand. You know, we thought we knew this about God. We thought we knew this about the world. And now it is mixing up in a way that I can't make sense of. Where are you going to go with that? You know, Mary, again, went to the feet of Jesus and she poured it out with tears because that's what disciples do. You know, in the middle of the things that we don't, we can't, we can't fathom that don't make sense, we, we go to the feet of Jesus. And what we find is that he brings us to a deeper realization of himself. In John chapter 12, uh, immediately following this passage here with uh, you know, the death of Lazarus, uh, Jesus comes to Bethany where Lazarus was, who Jesus has raised from the dead. They gave a dinner for him. Martha served. And Martha is not rebuked for that, incidentally. Uh, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. But Mary took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Of course, you know in this story, which is very similar to the story that we read last week, but is different. In this story, Judas and their other disciples uh, are upset because of the cost of the perfume. But Jesus says, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand with, for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. That's from the account in Mark. You see, Mary is again at the feet of Jesus and she is seeing something that the others aren't seeing. You know, the, the disciples are, are all trying to say, Jesus, you're not going to die. But Jesus says, no, I, I, you are going to die. And that is my hope. That is what I am staking my life on that you are going to die, that you are going to be buried, and that you are going to raise again. Of all the disciples of Jesus, she got it. And Jesus, you know, acknowledges her, not just in the moment, but he said everybody is going to talk about 
what Mary has learned. She was listening. She was, she was desiring to go deeper, and the Holy Spirit led her to the truths that would ultimately form the very basis of her discipleship going forward. This is the question for all of us. And incidentally, Martha's on her own journey. In John chapter 11, she calls Jesus the teacher, the rabbi as well. Uh, Martha, I think, gets these truths. Uh, she's the one that receives, you know, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? A and she does. She backs off. There, there is a discipleship going on in both of these women that invites us uh, to really find ourselves at the feet of Jesus, not just in quiet contemplation, but really seeking to know Him because it's the only way that we will make sense of the world that we live in. And it's only as we come to the cross, you know, as we have the table of the Lord laid out before us this morning, it's only as we come to His finished work, to His death, to his resurrection. It is only as we come to that can we make sense of the stuff that we face. You know, what, what about death? What about surgeries and cancer and kidney disease and, you know, all of these things? What about it? Jesus says, I know. And I took it on myself and I went to the cross. And, and there I dealt with it. And I arose out of that tomb so that you can have newness of life both in your bodies as well as in your souls. Mary has chosen the good portion. Not, not opposed to Martha, but she's chosen the good portion in that she has put her focus on knowing me. We, we do the same. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word and we thank you for what it means in our lives. We pray that uh, we would come to understand it more deeply. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.